Hello and welcome once again to episode 130 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators helping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. When we are writing uh, new code against new SDKs, we have add available, right? right. Um, and this works great until you're on like a beta version of Xcode and then you need to run your code on a non-beta version of Xcode yeah. to submit it to the App Store, and everything kind of falls apart. Um, you can go ahead and use can import or check the compiler uh, to like see if you're on a good enough version, uh, but it turns out you can be a little smarter about this, and can import actually takes an underscored property called version. Um, now, we talked about underscored properties uh, last episode, um, and if you'll remember, it's basically a giant warning sign that says, don't use, it might change. Um, but as with most things that uh, have come to Swift and made it onto the internet, uh, they will break, uh, but they are useful. Um, and notably, this is useful because you can get the version of a framework uh, and only import the, the symbols from it if it matches a certain version. Um, and that means that the code will ignore that if it doesn't. Uh, which is very useful, turns out, for writing code with pre-release uh, frameworks. Yeah, that's cool. It, as opposed to the um, add available, it'll just like not even compile that, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's nice. Um, they go into this blog post, which I'm sure we'll put in the uh, in the description. Talks about some advantages and disadvantages. Um, we kind of talked about the advantages. One of the disadvantages is you have to kind of scrape that that version of whatever module you're checking against. Uh, it ain't public. <laughs> yeah. So he he uh, shows how to do it. You can. It's just this thing that you throw in the terminal. But you have to make sure that like the SDK that you want to can check is installed on Xcode, and then run that terminal command and you know. There's, there's a little bit of work for it. So um, they actually, he says that in the alternatives, he said, we decided not to use can import for our, uh, for our example, because the non-intuitive version number, it's like um, iOS 16.1's Swift UI, for example, is 4.1.17.100. Um, so what they ended up doing instead was they did like pound if Swift is greater than or equal to 5.71 and if so they kind of went a different way and i don't necessarily know can't really think off the top of my head you know i mean if i guess it depends on how specific maybe you want to be if you really need to check against a very specific mo uh, module version i don't know mm -hmm. i mean it's avoiding needing to remember the versions of swift that ship uh but you're swapping that out for more headaches right uh, because those version numbers are likely going to change throughout the beta process, um, whereas mm. the version of Swift that's ain't fair. that's just going to be stable throughout the beta process, unless you're on uh, nightly Swift versions, which is a completely separate. Like you already know what you're doing at that sure. point. Um, you're not just using a beta version of Xcode. Uh, so yeah, um, ultimately it goes back to to like checking the compiler version, which is essentially what we're doing here. Um, which works. Uh, I'm not going to say it doesn't, um, and that's what I've used in the past. Uh, but can import is an interesting alternative, right? And they are kind of playing around with uh, different ways of expressing this because you could certainly see a usefulness in having, like, uh, not knowing which version of a framework you're linked against um, and doing compiling things one way if you have a high version and compiling things a different way if you have a low version. Uh, so that is definitely useful. I'm not aware of any way that you can kind of tag a package, like a Swift package with a version. I guess it's whatever Git version it uses, right? Maybe yeah. that's what it kind of settles on automatically. Yeah. I don't know if this is quite what you're asking, but in, at the very end, um, there's Like, someone... how do you do this for your own stuff, right? Like checking versions? No, like give a version to a module that you write that's in oh, Swift. Oh, yeah. I don't really think we do, honestly. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Not something I, I have to worry about, fortunately, and I suppose unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> 
we definitely we definitely live in a simpler world for the most part as iOS developers. But um, I'm sure this is something that uh, developers on Linux are like, oh yes, we use this kind of thing all the time because it's all we have, um, and this Poor is Linux. likely why it, why it exists, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, Talking about things that that exist that I had no idea about, uh, there is a helper uh, in the testing framework called Xcode Test that we all kind of uh, use. That's like the only testing framework, yep. um, and it's called Xcode Unwrap or XC Unwrap, um, and it does what you think it would do. It unwraps optionals. It just does so in a uh, excellent type safe way, uh, which I did not know existed. Yeah, it's really cool. So. They have a couple code snippets that, you know, what you would probably do in kind of just thinking about like writing code the normal way is like guard let cell equals cell as whatever cell else. And then you, you know, uh, give an XCT fail with some some description. I've definitely written that. Yep, me too. <laughs> that, exact, 100%. that exact case. <laughs> yeah. So what you can do instead is like they have like an XCT assert equal for like item one as a string and then the thing that it's comparing against is you can do this try xct unwrap cell as my cell dot title and and you can do it that way um and so what happens uh, they they sort of talk about if you're just going to straight up cast the cell in that xct assert equal uh it's just going to crash and xct's xc test doesn't really handle it gracefully there's not a a um I don't even know if it would give like a really good error message. So this XCT unwrap is a step further that says, you know, XCT unwrap failed, expected non-nil value of type might sell. So a little bit better. And then what he goes on to do is he says he makes this thing called XCT cast, uh, which sort of takes us further and lets you be able to kind of uh, do the do the XCT unwrap, but also, let's see, where is it? Oh, no. He's not even using XCT Unwrap in this. Interesting. It's kind of like a replacement for it, right? Oh, okay. I thought he was using it and then kind of taking it further, but he's just casting it using a guard let. Mm -hmm. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so it, it, it very much follows the same thought of uh, using the XCT Unwrap, but it's like more purpose-built for what he needed uh, it to do. Um, and that is, uh, that is definitely something that you can be encouraged to write in Swift, right? Um, I have in past applications written a whole bunch of X, XC test, uh, operations, asserts, um, that take different inputs, um, and are more targeted to Swift types than otherwise, um, and they are very easy to, to write. You basically need to make sure that you capture the file in line, uh, and they just pass it down the chain. Right. Um, and once you capture that file in line, any error that gets presented, it will go ahead and highlight the original one um, yeah. in Xcode. So uh, that is super nice that it does do that. Um, and uh, it's one more reminder of what I am missing out on on a day-by-day basis by <laughs> writing... <laughs> javascript uh just kidding javascript is horrible typescript is like way better um so i do want to put that out there if you need to if you need to suffer in javascript at least make a typescript uh but it's still not as good as swift so uh i i yearn for for the type safety that is yeah. with actual types at runtime and not everything is not a number except yeah. not not a number because i don't understand it's, it. it's too complicated there's uh, like have you seen the comparison table for javascript it's no. like 17 this way and 17 this way and it's like this crazy constellation of x's uh that may or may not even be symmetric i don't i don't make any claims uh like if you do it one way but not the other it's like, mm. uh, have fun memorizing that oh you do not you yeah. look it up every time uh and that's how you don't write mistakes in javascript because it doesn't yeah. happen i was gonna ask uh I, I've known about TypeScript. Obviously, I've never used JavaScript or TypeScript. Can you use TypeScript anywhere that you can use JavaScript? Or are there like exceptions with frameworks that you can't use one or the other? Okay, so uh, <laughs> there's a lot. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Did I just like open this huge. 
Yeah. Uh, so JavaScript is what runs in the browser. Um, right. It also is what runs on the server through a thing called Node. Um, mm-hmm. So works in both. Yep. Uh, TypeScript is like a preprocessor version of JavaScript that has types yep. that will verify your types when right. you compile it. When you compile it, you're actually just stripping all the types. So you're not actually compiling anything. There's no functionality that comes. There is some uh, code generation that comes. Like if you use a enum in TypeScript, oh boy, it's this thing. Uh, it's not It's not a Swift enum, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> it tries to look like a Swift enum, and then it just like stabs you in the back. Um, so uh, anyways, back to TypeScript. You basically strip all the types, and you're left with plain old vanilla JavaScript. Nothing changed there. Uh, and then you have... Uh, that's done through a thing called Babbage, I think. I don't know. Or types. There's like a lot of layers that just like turn things, transform them, and crunch them together and replace all your variables with A, B, C, D. Like you've seen that when you view source before, I'm sure. Um, it just gets <laughs> turned into something. Okay. Um, and then it goes through this thing called Webpack. And I'm not too sure what Webpack does, but I think it packs it further. Um, and it replaces all the ABCs by AABBBCCC or something uh, not very easy to parse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it delivers that to your web browser via a .js script um, that may or may not be inline. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, long story short, TypeScript fully compatible with anything because okay. it is JavaScript with extra syntax that did does not exist in JavaScript yet. Right, yeah. Um, and can't exist in JavaScript because now more people use TypeScript, I think. Uh, oh, so, cool. uh, yeah. Small like, win. Small win. Uh, apparently, Microsoft maintains it. I did not know that, but hmm. like all the all the headers, headers, interfaces, yeah. I don't know what they're called. Uh, they're dot .t dot .ts. That's how you know uh, that they're like fake. Um but all of those are all like prefixed with like Microsoft Corporation. Um, oh. So, yeah, they they are apparently stewarding this thing to success, uh, as opposed to I think yeah, Microsoft has TypeScript, uh, Google has Go, uh, yep. Mozilla has Rust, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and Apple has Swift, mm-hmm. uh, and Google also has Kotlin. Um, yeah, because apparently not people, not many people use Go. Um, or Golang, Golang because yeah. Go was too short of a word, so they needed to bastardize it a little bit more. Yeah. Also a board game? Or I, I don't know if you call it a board game. It is the classical board game. Well, yeah. I, yes, many, many a, years ago. It's a game. It's, I don't know if you can like put like that with Risk or something as a board game. You know what I mean? Oh, it is way more complex than Risk. No, I know. Uh, That's risk, what I'm saying. Is they're just way AI different. AI Risk for... Uh, um, I don't know if you saw this in the news recently, talking about Go. Uh, it turns out that humans were able to uh, demolish the, AI uh, the AI. AIs at Go. Not Yeah, they basically use an AI to find yes. weaknesses in the AI's strategies. Yeah, uh, and then that. let a human like learn how to do that strategy. Uh, and then once a human learned it, the the AI did very poorly. That's cool. Uh, like nine games out of ten. Uh, so uh, it was a small win for human for humankind. It turns out that we are still adaptable. We just need to yes. give us a few more years, and we'll figure it out. Um, just use AI to be AI. <laughs> it's our creation. That's true. Uh, Apple is apparently wrapping up uh, 15-inch MacBook Air testing as release looms so what would this would be is a 15 inch macbook air with the same resolution as the 14 inch macbook pro which i find like kind of weird so it would be less sharp uh less less ppi that was their their macbook pros up until that point right they were all less sharp that's true so uh this would be uh on three nanometer it would be like the m3 generation it wouldn't be an uh, like an update to the m2 uh macbook airs that we already have so interesting that they would go this way i don't know how i feel about that i um i guess my thoughts on macbook airs versus pros are like now that we have the 13 inch macbook pro and i suppose if this were to kind of overlap on the other side to the 15 inch um 
I don't really think the screen density is like a huge thing for me, but something that I've noticed is when I go over to my parents' house and I bring my MacBook Air, they have a lot of windows in a couple of rooms. And so it's really hard to see even at full brightness. And so that's like the only time that I notice the brightness difference uh, in my MacBook Air as opposed to the Pro, which I assume has one or 200 more nits of brightness. So that mm-hmm. honestly has been the thing without like when I get a new MacBook, I may go with a Pro just to get a slightly uh, brighter screen rather than like, uh, you know, size. Like I... I actually really like the 13-inch size, so I'd probably just get, like, a 13-inch MacBook Pro, assuming that the brightness is actually better on there. So, yeah. Yeah, I think this is a fair product uh, to come out um, because most people, when they do need the laptop, and I think this has been said ad nauseum already, uh, they just go for the larger screen because yeah. they need more space. Yeah. Um, not many people are going to go the whole... Uh, extra mile and get like an external desktop because uh, or an external screen for your desk uh, because then you're not really using the laptop for what it was meant to and that's like moving around Uh, that said uh, the 16 inch macbook pro is like an absolute unit Uh, so like maybe this is a a happy ground between the two right where it's like nice and light it's still performant um, but it's not necessarily hindered by the the pure mass of uh the yeah. the surprisingly thin but still massive uh laptop yes that reminds me of when i started teaching um at a boot camp someone brought one of the 17 inch macbook pros and that thing was a chonker dude i was like oh like it's crazy how much two inches of you know x and y makes it was massive it looked crazy so yeah, this the 16 inches were too big for me. I also just have the 14 inch MacBook Pro for work, because um, it just sits in clamshell mode all, all day. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's I guess kind of to wrap this up, or at least my thoughts on it. I think it's cool and also interesting that they're going both ways between the Air and the Pro, kind of like getting into each other's segment, and I wonder how that will do i don't know if it'll do poorly but it's an interesting tactic to kind of have less segmentation and just more overlap and making the user decide between things like brightness and i suppose uh sharpness pixel density uh on on your thing because we're all using the same chips between all of all of the macbooks now there's no uh one billion intel SKUs that we're using as processors in these uh so that's another way that you can differentiate is i guess just other features about the macbook itself Mm -hmm. yeah i I think that they will likely sell less macbook pros as a result of this right because most people don't need one but they'll probably make more money out of volume uh sales that's because a whole lot more people will be buying uh this computer versus not buying one right um, or going with a Windows offering um, yeah. and being burned by that X times in a row. Yeah. Side note, kind of random. Um, I've just been noticing that there are some killer deals on like M2 Mac minis, like $500 or something. So if you're in the, if you're in the market, like check out some deals on, I don't know, Amazon Best Buy or something. But uh, that and like MacBook Airs have also been going for like super cheap, like six fifty for the MacBook Air or something. So probably a good time to pick one up. I don't know uh, if they're just trying to get rid of stuff before the M3s come out or whatever. But yeah, it's they're still very capable. I still love my my M1 MacBook Air. So you mentioned this is the M2 Mac Mini, right? So does a, a 2012 Mac Mini like also qualify because i got one of those up in the clouds uh and you can't restart it if you restart it shuts down uh so that's a problem (laughs) um like but uh yeah uh i i would like to replace that if i can get into if i can get 500 dollars worth for that uh that 20 2001 two uh device then thumbs up for me yeah i don't know if you get 500 dollars for that but I also have that's what's running my uh vapor app for my my home speaker system is a a 2012 MacBook or a Mac mini. 
It still works great because the only thing that it's doing is running this small vapor application. <laughs> yeah, I have to log into mine every few months. Uh, not to restart it because, again, I said, if you restart, it just shuts down and I don't want to keep bugging the people at the data center. You can... Um, you can... There's a setting I have on mine because I have that whole speaker set up on a smart switch. You can just tap it like restart when it turns off. It turns out it does not do that. Oh, it does for me. That sucks. Ask I'm me sorry. How, ask me how I know. Uh, oh. I don't know if there's like a battery that's like dead on the inside or something. That's probably what it is. Um, but yeah, every now and then I just have to log into it, uh, go into activity monitor, find the thing that's gobbling 20 gigabytes of uh ram and just like force quit it and everything is fine like things are so much more stable this thing has been on for literal years <laughs> uh and like i just have to go in and kill discover like not discovery um directory d like the thing that runs all users yeah like, eh, just, just restart it um <laughs> and awesome. like everything is fine uh so i just want to like put that out there apple uh the thing that you had before uh software wise a plus um it it looks it looks not as pretty that's uh, that's a given uh but like stays on forever uh just keeps chugging yep uh so maybe consider that i don't know uh and in other news of things that last quite literally forever uh uh angry birds still a thing uh and they they are now going to have a new cousin named sonic yeah, uh, so you're gonna Sega, have Angry Sonic. Sega is also a thing still somehow. <laughs> They're hanging on by a thread, and I guess that thread is not really a thread because they bought Rovio uh, for seven hundred and seventy million dollars. Wouldn't have guessed that they had that much money, honestly. That's Rovio crazy. now owns a majority stake in Sony. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, that's usually how those deals go. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. they're buying, and then the other guy gets to own it. It's like, wait, what happened there? Yeah. Um, pretty interesting though uh yeah yeah i certainly was not expecting that no um I didn't but even... the sonic movie great success the angry birds movie less success so that's clearly how these video game companies are doing yeah um mario movie apparently has like already skyrocketed past best video game movie uh oh, in, really like, earnings or something oh yeah like i heard it's it wasn't doing that good job Oh, that's crazy. Oh. Uh, on on standards of video game movies. I'm not talking about... Oh, like, okay. Fair. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for it to come out on Max, uh, Max. not HBO. Uh, I'm sh- it probably would end up on HBO, right? Or would it be on Netflix? Netflix has had all the Illumination stuff lately. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, that's a good question. Anyways, I'm waiting for it to show up on one of those because I am not entering a theater uh, probably <laughs> for the rest of my life. Um because the covid it scares um it scares <laughs> they kind of grody it's a it's a thing yep. um but yeah it's it's surprising that that both these companies are still a thing yeah. uh it's surprising that sega is actually sega sammy holdings um thanks sammy uh and it's surprising they still had that much money uh yeah. to buy angry to think that angry birds was worth that much um like i got it for a dollar thanks app store so i had an idea uh this past weekend uh and for those listening this past weekend was the same weekend as last episode because we're recording this in one go magic yeah. um but i i had an idea this past weekend and that was with regard to um all the privacy enhancements that apple privacy and security enhancements that apple has uh kind of been adding to iphones uh, and lately, like there are settings, if you're a high risk user, like you're a journalist or, um, you're a diplomat, uh, or you are a billionaire, uh, you might want to, uh, lock down your phone more than most to prevent bad things from happening, um, to it, uh, namely with your like safety in mind. Um, and like, Although that's good, it also puts a target on your back anytime someone realizes you have that kind of security on, right? Uh, because a lot of countries, like China, for instance, they will want to see uh, and get access to your social media and your phone right. uh, and something to log you in a database of something to 
make sure they can imprison you upon entering their country. I don't really know. I'm making that stuff up. Uh, but uh, it doesn't sound pleasant, uh, to say the least. And, like, I would have uh, second thoughts traveling in general, but traveling to a country that I knew in advance would want to see the contents of my phone just to enter it. Um, and I guess that's within the country's rights to do, right? It's you are entering there, you do as yeah. they do uh, kind of thing. Uh, but it did get me thinking as far as what could our devices do better for us to help better protect us in those situations. Um, and one thing that I have the tremendous uh, ability to do that most do not is I have a small stockpile of old iPhones. So I could choose to not bring my main iPhone with me. I can choose to right. set up an iPhone brand new with no iCloud signed in, nothing. Um, it's just a device with a SIM in it. And while I'm in that country, I can use it to text and browse the web and use the maps, yada, yada. Uh, take pictures. Uh, and then when I come back, I can sync them up. Uh, but most people don't have that privilege. Um so I was wondering what could Apple do as a software company making software for their wonderful hardware devices uh, to kind of help with this. Uh, and one thing that came to mind uh, was an exploration of what a second user on an iPhone might look like. Um, on the Mac, for instance, if you use Touch ID, you can switch between users with different fingerprints. Um, and that got me thinking... Well, what happens if you were to enable kind of a dummy account with a separate pin? Like, you can only get to this dummy account with a pin. So when someone asks you, hey, what's the pin for your device? You can tell them straight up. It's 7562. Uh, sorry for the person where who that's your pin. Like, don't use it. Um, so... <laughs> uh, that that would kind of sign you in immediately and go to a home screen of a an account that is not signed into anything and allow someone to essentially look at your phone without seeing anything that's on your phone. None of the apps, none of the accounts. Uh, you might be able to even set it up with an account just so that way it looks less yeah. suspicious um, and, or download some apps on it uh, but not sign into them. Namely, it's a completely separate environment. Um, and it's essentially there as a trap door, as a honey trap, right? I think that's what's, what honey it's pot. called. Honey pot. Um, and, in server security, you basically leave something open to let people fall into it and get stuck in the honey. Uh, and then you can basically use that to know who is attacking you. Uh, and in this case, you can go ahead and use that to allow people access kind of like a guest user to your device without making it obvious that it's a guest account, right? Um, yeah. make it look like it's a real one put your name on there just don't put your iCloud um, so that's something that I've been thinking about uh, and then uh, I, I brought this up to you and I, I started thinking further uh, where like hey what happens if you did not get a chance to tell anyone what your account was they took it from you first and then they just start trying using one of those devices that basically enters pins in uh yeah. via the lightning port and then just rapidly cycles power to prevent it from uh like storing the fact that you tried once twice three times um what happens if like one in a hundred uh pins that get tried uh it just logs into that secondary account as if they guess the pin right you know it's it's not going to do it instantly it's going to do it completely randomly uh it doesn't need a like safe state in between it's just picks based on a seed and maybe that can allow people to kind of maintain their privacy when law enforcement gets access to their device and you refuse to tell them what your password is uh and they're like okay we're gonna figure it out on our own and they right. try to figure out and they get access to an account and it looks like they got access to it uh and meanwhile in that instant because they use that method uh it instantly wipes the main account right. like gone uh, and like what better way of protecting yourself than have something that doesn't even leave a trace that it existed if accessed in an unauthorized way. Um, and let's whoever is trying to access it feel like they've accomplished their goal 
and it would only be too late when they realize uh, they actually did not. Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not in any kind of situation where it would be useful to me, but I still think it's a great idea and I would probably do it anyway, just on the off chance that something happens. And like you said, for people that are in those situations regularly, it's all the more powerful and, and useful for them. And, um, you know, like the idea of just logging them in after they guess some random password, uh, and you know, it, it stays that so they can keep logging in and thinking that's the right thing. Uh, meanwhile, it's, you know, zeroing out the SSD on the other accounts. It's like, there is no trace of anything else that was there. And it doesn't even need to zero it out. It just needs to wipe a single key because sure. everything is encrypted. Everything looks random anyways. That's the whole point uh, of the encryption, point. right? Yeah. So if you just wipe the key, you have no idea if stuff is there or not. Um, and that's the key, the key piece uh, for something like this to be successful. Like it would be instant that everything is gone. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like, I guess showing if they check the storage and say like, oh, there's not like there's this weird amount of storage that's inaccessible because there are two users or whatever. It just, you know, instantly makes that accessible and everything. So it seems like, I mean, I feel like iOS is already quite well suited to this idea because everything is already containerized. It wouldn't be a hard thing to just be like, oh, yeah, here's a new container for the same app. Uh, one container doesn't need to know that there's another instance of storage for this app uh, for Instagram or Twitter or whatever. They could just, it could be a completely separate thing and make it look as legit as possible. Throw on some random photos or whatever uh, in the photo library and just make a separate iCloud account or it would be fun or I don't know if this would be a good idea, but if you could sort of like you can have the, iCloud private relay, just relay things back to your main uh, email, have it sort of relay that stuff back to your actual iCloud account, but keep it separate from the iCloud account while you're in that separate user or something. I think there are some really cool ideas that it would be very cool to for Apple to explore. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, it would be great to have, like, you know, there's a, a on your lock screen, if you don't know the password, you can still make an emergency call. Right. Yep. What if you could still use an iPhone for things that the iPhone is capable of rather than just phone calls? Like, what if you needed to quickly, like, text check something? Maps or, oh, yeah. uh, or check the maps. Yep. Um, or, like, gain access to a quick uh, guest account, right? How many times does someone say, hey, does anyone have a phone and you check something? Like, you can just hand over your device. No question about anything like sensitive security getting wise, yeah. leaking like that could have so many wins right um and not just limited to iphones like ipads too would be like if only oh, we had yeah. users on all these things i think yeah. ipads technically do with like classroom education stuff. yeah i think so uh but it's it's hastily put together at best um so i don't know if it if it's really suitable to this kind of stuff but like it feels like we're very close to multi-user support on these devices. We just need to like go a little bit further, or maybe we're never going to get it because we're going to have glasses, and the glasses are going to come with a just piece of glass that you carry around with you, and that's your phone, right? And then there's yeah. no point in multi-user. Like, hey, can you pass me your phone? And you just not even thinking about it. You pass them the slab have, of glass. Have my glass. And like, and they're like, wait, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? um yeah. so yeah that's that's something uh the world we live in this week's episode of code completion is once again brought to you by explain it slowly have you ever wondered how anime is made or how old tvs work or even why you start picking up other people's accents just by hanging out with them welcome to explain it slowly a podcast where lynn and i explore any and every topic from technology to food twice a week We've covered everything from SSDs to food comas and can't wait to share what, we'll, what we've learned next with all of you. So open up your favorite podcast app and search for Explain It Slowly to learn something new with us every week. We want to thank Explain It Slowly for sponsoring our show. Search for Explain It Slowly on your favorite podcast app 
or visit https colon slash slash explain it slowly dot show uh, to learn more. So Spencer, I have a code completion tip for you. Uh, and this is kind of semi-inspired by last week's um, uh, tip where we can use underscores to, to do cool things. Uh, this thing also includes an underscore, but not in for the same reason. So say you have a module, right? Um, you are writing a bunch of Swift packages. Uh, and in this module is something private that really only this module needs to know about. But you also need to access it from another module, right? There's okay. some leaky abstractions. Um, and it would be really nice for this one private thing or this one internal thing uh, to actually be accessible outside of it, but only by this one other module, right? You don't want everyone to use it. You just want to like make a little tunnel just for this guy. Uh, it turns out that is totally possible, uh, and that is possible using something called uh, an SPI tag. Uh, so this is at underscore SPI, and you can put it next to the things that you want to expose and you specify who you want to be able to consume them. Uh, and then in the other module, when you import that framework, you put an SPI import tag in front of that uh, and that will allow you to access it. Uh, so SPI stands for System Programming Interface uh, and I will link a wonderful article uh, that goes in tremendous detail about these um, by I think we we've linked to the same person last week when we were talking about um uh when oh, we were yeah. talking about the the can Importing? import stuff yeah uh, Marco Edinger uh Edinger sorry um and he he goes into a lot of detail on uh, the SPI stuff as well uh so definitely check that out it's not something that everyone definitely needs to use but if you are designing a complex net of frameworks, and this is something that is useful to you, um, it is excellent to know about, right? And once again, the SPI tag is underscored, so it is technically considered private, um, mm -hmm. or in this case, uh, a feature preview of Swift. It's not something that is expected to stay in the state. Um, it's more to kind of learn from and learn where it's most useful, um, namely, it becomes less useful if you use the new package modifier that's coming soon to Swift, uh, because if you have one package with multiple modules, then they can all kind of uh, interlink within each other. Um, so I think that's where this kind of thing is going. Uh, but it is uh, nonetheless useful to know about um, if you want to go ahead and start using something like that today rather than waiting for it. Nice. Um, as kind of a a follow-up on that, it being sort of a feature preview, would you be able to ship something with this in there or no? Yes, it's all compile time. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is not something that is handled at runtime. And most things in Swift are not runtime. Like, you could technically use a pre-release version of Swift uh, with a release version of Xcode, right? Um, oh. Once you compile it, that's the way oh, it okay. is. The only problem is uh, Apple platforms contain the Swift library. Uh, so anything that you use that is dependent on that library, namely Swift async, uh, Swift concurrency, like that was a big thing that was all runtime or mostly runtime um, and not available on older systems. So, right. so Apple needed to go ahead and uh, patch that in. Um, so that's something that uh is sometimes the case but not the case every time gotcha as always i want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week please be sure to follow us on mastodon.social at code completion to know when new episodes go live and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into most importantly as a small podcast please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any process of app development it's your support that enables us to continue doing this and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss once again i want to give my thanks to spencer who's at spencer c curtis that's s-p-e-n-c-e-r-c-c-u-r-t-i-s for joining me this week my name once again is dimitri you can find me at dimitri bunyol that's d-i-m-i-t-r-i-b-o-u-n-i-o-l and we'll see you all next week bye i have a a mandatory uh counted out mandatory <laughs> okay <laughs> it's required listening 
Um, and that is uh, the wonderful, the awesome, the trailer to Tears of the Kingdom. What? Oh, Not boy. again. I never would have guessed we'd talk about that. Oh boy, the music in this one. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm stoked. Are you talking about the two that someone posted on Reddit? No, the the, the, the main trailer. Oh. Yeah. I don't think we talked about it. No, I don't think did we, we did. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. But like, yes. Not the gameplay. Just the main trailer that, that like, oh, popped Oh, sure, up. yeah. A Monday yeah, yeah. ago, um, that that was some exciting stuff. Yeah, uh, I cannot wait to play that game. It uh, looks, there's like so much. Every time it just looks better and better. I'm just, I'm insanely hyped, and I got work approved off for a week, so that's all I'm doing for nine days, baby. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah, oh man, good. Uh, that was one of the best decisions, not going to lie, that I did when Breath of the Wild came out. I just took two weeks off, uh, and I did nothing but play that. And uh, that was something I'm never going to forget because I eventually went outside, uh, and I was like, the world looks boring. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can't climb this tree. I can't chop it down. Well, it's just not pretty, right? Yeah, like, you look true. out, and it's like these gorgeous sunsets and sunrises every 20 minutes. It's yeah. like, it's it's a visual dump of just gorgeous, like, landscapes. And now yeah. we're, like, even that first scene on the new trailer, just, like, going through the clouds, um, that was just, like, stunning. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's uh... like, the music starts picking up, and it's like, it hits you wham when the title comes on. Oh, man. Yeah. I can't wait. It, it'll be good it was like a screenshot fest when i got breath of the wild for sure just screenshotting everything dude so i'm sure mm-hmm. it'll be like that again it'll be good it'll be way good it's it's exciting and uh i wish like my siblings played those games and i could kind of relish in it with them i have my cousins that do but um... well you could recap the story of breath of the wild in less than a minute um and get them up to speed <laughs> About as fast as someone could speed run the game. There, uh, there wasn't much in that game, uh, thankfully, uh, yeah. for like newcomers to the series. I hope I'd, there's a bit more story this time. I think uh, it seems like there will be. If they've got like voice actors and stuff for like Ganondorf, I'm sure they do. They had voice actors for the last one, and there wasn't much Spencer. Good point. There wasn't point. much, but oh Ganondorf yeah, Ganondorf had... looks cool. It looks like a kind of a hybrid between like Ocarina of Time and uh, Twilight Princess. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. But like also another Wind thing... Waker. We got Chonky Yeah, Ganon. that's true, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um another thing that's cool is like Sidon is back. I love that guy. I'm so and stoked. You could, you could fight with him or something. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that was a cutscene. That was just no. like straight up someone playing. Yeah. I'm stoked, dude. It'll be awesome. So, it'll be uh like you know, it's it's a fairly close continuation of Breath of the Wild. Like, all the same people are there, and that's awesome, because I think the the personalities that did exist in Breath of the Wild were, were really fun and stuff. So, it'll be good. Mm-hmm. They sh- they showed two bosses. Like, there's one, there's that construct one that just, yeah. like, popped out of the wall. That yeah. looks cool. Uh, yeah. And, and then like there a... was the, the, the Goma Big. one that was, like, coming out of the, the ice storm. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if it's Goma. People are saying it's Goma. It has the same number uh, of eyes and stuff. That'd be cool. Um, I don't know what it is, but it looks terrifying, and I'm terrified of it. Um, the the Gliok looks terrifying yes, as dude. well. Very, I mean, like, that's the cool thing is, I think that's from, like, the very first Zelda game The very ever. first one, yeah. Um, but there's, like, a lot of more, like, diverse, like, it's not the same thing as breath of the wild like they're bringing a lot more to the table and that's what has mm. me so stoked is like it'll be a new experience it'll be a continuation here's a preview but a for new what happens experience. here's a preview with what happens with the gliak you get to a certain point you chop off its head and the thing goes flying and keeps shooting like fireballs at you that's what the original did uh yeah, and that's perfect. gonna be freaking terrifying it'll be uh, great yeah mm. it's uh the the lionel's like, Lynels were terrifying in the original Zelda because they were just hard. Yeah. Lynels are terrifying in Breath of the Wild because you need to know how the combat system works. Otherwise, they will just demolish you. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and all of these enemies just look like more massive versions of that it's yeah. it's just gonna demolish you unless you know what you're doing um though now you can put meat on a on an arrow and shoot it i guess <laughs> so that's cool yep it's uh and put a shield on a stick and make it into a weapon and there's a lot of possibilities and that's what's exciting and i felt that way with breath of the wild when it came out it was sort of revolutionary but you know they're mm-hmm. taking it definitely a few steps forward from even can, breath of the wild is can we talk about their choice in showing link's contraption little little uh army mcar arm yeah like... uh, faces <laughs> like i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you it's uh the, just... the one little finger popping out is like getting the, the lining up just right and link so is just good. like there with a straight face Speed runs are going to be hilarious. Oh, it's going to be insane. I can't even imagine what kind of things they're going to put together to... Yeah, it'll be cool. Like, you it'll can basically cool. do anything. Yeah. It, it's They basically showed us that, like, you can have a sane contraption, you can have your phallicopter if you want, and you can go ahead and just do what, whatever you want with the block, oh, with the block mech, right? Uh, yeah. And you take it seriously. That's all that matters. Uh, yeah. You need to go there with a straight face and poke the bacoblins off of the the stone talus, I the guess. The talus, yeah. Have a, just a, you know, like, I don't know what to call it. Like, a, I guess a prehistoric mech battle or something. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's like, come on, let me get your stone talus. Oh, no, <laughs> turn around, turn around. And then the talus hits you, and then the physics, like, totally wonks out, and the thing goes flying. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Yep, it's exciting. I mean, we are less than a month away now, man. So, so close. Like, 25 They've been days. Holding, holding it out so well. Uh, yes. Congrats, Nintendo. Uh, because you have been underselling this game maybe too much. Like every no one was really if, kind of hyped up, but I think the hype is rapidly growing at this point. Well, I'm honestly I'm glad it happened this way because if they hyped it up two years ago or whenever the first trailer was, <laughs> I would be dead by now just by like anticipation. So the 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 kind of slow like exponential ramp up, that's okay with me. I like that. Oh my goodness. Uh do you think do you think they showed off real real temples and real dungeons yeah i don't know i think they've got to have a f- i think that was maybe missing from breath of the wild is like the temple experience because like the divine beasts were okay but they were short and then it's like okay back to shrines and that was it so yeah they're the same thing too yeah like all yeah. of them visually where yeah yeah, I, I really did miss the 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 traditional like this is Dungeon the forest crawling. temple with a yeah. with the kooky music that's specific to this area and like a multi room labyrinth to really like pick and solve apart. And yes, it's linear. Oh well, yeah, it, yeah. it like really allows unique. you to to like stress your brain a little bit to really solve it. Yeah. Um, and that is certainly harder when things are not linear. Um, I will give Nintendo that. And they did a great job kind of making shrines feel uh, fun and sure. unique, but nothing really on the level of a dungeon from even Ocarina of Time. Like the later yeah. dungeons were notorious, like some were notorious for being hard, right? The the water temple. Water temple. People hate it, not because it was frustrating. It was because it was hard. You have to yeah. like not be a child to really solve that. Uh, in a in a in a good way um and if you were not a child when you solved it you have fond memories of it if you were a child you gave up quickly because it was too difficult right yeah um i think more of that would be better um not that they're gonna suddenly go and change that um (laughs) right now right no but yeah i think again just like everything else we talked about like it'll be an evolution i'm I would assume that Nintendo knows I like I I think our opinions on this on like Breath of the Wild and the dungeons and stuff and everything else about Breath of the Wild is probably pretty well known to them and I think they've taken the formula they know it works they're going to tweak it a little bit and make it a little bit more 
They just focus on weapon durability, Spencer. They didn't yeah. contemplate anything else. They just fixed the weapon durability. That was oh. it. Uh, you can yeah. fuse weapons now. It makes them more durable. Uh, same game, um, uh, which I hope is well, not the case. I right. I There's something coming from the sand. Like, that. that is... It was such a cool reveal. And then Ganondorf, yeah. like, screaming. Uh, that was fun. Uh, maybe Ganondorf from the back having glowy, glowy snapey hair. Uh, that was <laughs> <Snapey> fun. <laughs> a yeah. snaky, sorry. Um, oh. I guess it's kind of like Snape. Uh, mm. uh, but yeah, yeah. Some folks are saying maybe that's demise. Maybe that's Ganondorf when he's mid hydrating. Who knows? Uh, it'd, be, it'd be cool a return of demise. That'd be kind of a good bookend. Uh, to. The timeline it's a, just restart it nintendo just like cycle it why not just yeah. go all in uh it seems like zelda's back in the past for whatever yeah. reason then she goes super saiyan and like blasts all these <laughs> moldugas out of smithereens like where were you uh during the last calamity that would have been useful yeah. um that's like so much cool stuff uh we got to see the tears there's a lot of tears everyone's got tears uh, maybe Link does not use the tears. Maybe he just like gets the essence of tears, like homeopathy. Like he mixes it in his hand a little bit, and then <laughs> and then it works out for him. Um, so much unexplained. We we know nothing about this game. That's what nope. Nintendo has showed. But um, that's the best part is it's only a month yeah. away. Again, like if it was two years ago that they like Oof. were dropping all this, I would be so pissed off. I'd be just a husk of a man by now waiting for everything so it's good that i mean that was only... waiting for breath of the wild right nintendo's future was uncertain yeah. we didn't know much about the switch we didn't we were like That's just true. waiting for this hypothetical zelda to come out on the wii u they showed us like one or two things of it um and then it's like nothing yeah. um and it's like no one knew what to expect uh and then the switch is announced and then breath of the wild was announced and everything was fine after that um i don't think we had that same like drasticness with tears of the kingdom right maybe not i think for everyone that's stoked about like that's into it is like way more hype though like Mm -hmm. i don't know for for breath of the wild it was like it was the release game for the switch so like it wasn't were you gonna buy well yes that too Like the the way people emulate it is via the Wii U emulator. <laughs> it's true. It runs dang good with an emulator, man. It's it's fun to play in like fourteen forty p at like one hundred twenty fps. It looks so good. I'm a little bit sad about how uh, choppy. I'm assuming Tears of the Kingdom will be. Unfortunately, maybe it'll be better. Right? It's made for Switch this time. Yeah, and Cork uh... Forest. Well, they just got rid oh, of yeah. for us, <laughs> so maybe it's not an issue. <laughs> yeah. So. It'd be nice to actually get it up to 1080p, not 960p or whatever they were running it out. Yeah. Give me all the P's. All the P's. Um, so yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, yep. By the time this comes out, it will probably be like Two just a few away. weeks away. Yeah. Oof. Oof. <laughs> um, we may or may not be recording an episode that week. We'll see. Uh, it may or may not be solely focused on Tears of the Kingdom. We'll yep. see. That's the Tears of the Kingdom special, folks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Can't wait. Me neither. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.